0: Good morning. This is BOC Live for Tuesday, August 11th, the summer edition. Coming up, a conversation with cannabis broker Michaela Friedman about her job, her history in the sector, and a snapshot of what she's seeing. Join us at the end of the month on August 27th for a Cannabis Forward Education and Networking event, co produced with our friends at Diversity Talk, titled Social Equity in Practice. You can sign up on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. Thanks to our partners, BDSA, Cannabis at Work, cannabis benchmarks can delta and torque at mains and as always we are protected by Alset. now this conversation recorded on my front porch with michaela Friedman. Friedman, thank you for coming to the porch.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me here.
0: Well, I mean, I'm trying to have as many people on the porch as possible so I get to come out of the basement.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Understand that I live in a condo, so (laughs) it's nice to even sit outside on Uh, a porch. Yeah,
0: it's nice for everybody, and we get to look at tomatoes and all that jazz and be in the neighborhood. (laughs) But thank you for coming by because we wanted to connect. Um, You reached out. I wanted to connect because I want to talk about what you do in the sector. What it means, how you got involved, and in all those things.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I'm gonna call you a broker. Yep. Is that okay?
1: Sure, we can start with a broker. Or matchmaker,
0: I know <laughs> or how's that?
1: I mean, yeah, I think broker sometimes has a bad connotation to it because sometimes I reach out to people and they say, oh, you're selling PPE.
0: Like, I no, was no, no, like, no. something well, else. <laughs> are you? Because that's no, that's no, a pretty good business to be no in. No PP.
1: I don't know where to get the face mask or sanitizer, but yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> well, now that you said
0: that, people are going to start uh, tweet live tweeting me. Um, yeah. Here's where to get it. Uh, so so we'll talk about that. But how did you? How and when did you get involved in, into the sector?
1: So I've been involved since 2017, and mm-hmm. I really I got into the industry when I became a patient myself. You know, I've been using cannabis recreationally. You know as early as I can remember. We get that um, a lot. Yes. Sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, have, I had a newfound appreciation for cannabis when I became a patient and I started using CBD oil and I was like, I need to get involved in this industry. Mm-hmm. So I started out with a medical cannabis clinic, just educating patients. And that frontline experience was so valuable because I met tons and tons of people, all different ages, all different, I guess, pathologies mm-hmm. or backgrounds, health backgrounds and realized that this is just, um gonna be a massive industry. Um, so after working uh, in a clinic, I thought, you know what, I think there's more that we can do. And I don't know if I wanted to work for a licensed producer. Um, And I started taking niche roles here and there, working for some cannabis periodicals, doing some writing for them. Mm -hmm. I got picked up for a law firm where, you know, because I have a lot of research background from Mm -hmm. my previous career as Mm -hmm. an archaeologist, um, I produced reports for these law firms on cannabis regulations and licensing protocols Mm -hmm. for various class action lawsuits that they work on. And from that, I gained a really great understanding of the industry at large because I'm writing reports not just on Canada's regulations, but global regulations. Um, So understanding, you know, multiple Lesotho, you know, um, England, anywhere that has a legal market, I've been able to write about it. And I thought, I'm meeting all these producers, these pharmaceutical companies, and there's very little communication between them, so, you know, why don't I connect the dots? And you know, I just started, I guess, working as a broker, reaching out to LPs and producers and saying, listen, what products do you have available? Are you looking for a service? I can help. And I just slowly start building a large network through that. And I say my network is my net worth. And that's why I'm able to connect the dots as a cannabis matchmaker.
0: Yeah, that's good. I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A cannabis matchmaker. That's That that sounds like what you do, but it also sounds like a uh, like a matchmaking service of stoners.
1: Yeah, well, I could also do that as well.
0: (laughs) That's pretty good too. That's pretty good business. Yeah. Um, So 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 that that's an interesting background, and it comes. I want to talk a bit about the clinic just first, because uh, I would imagine, and something we've talked about a lot is sort of the wide swath of people who use cannabis medically, who want to use cannabis medically, and that sort of shifting demographic, I think, has even grown into sort of demographics since legalization because the stigma has been driven down. Absolutely. And is that what you s- we're seeing is that from your your experience is that true?
1: I mean, very much. I mean, I've worked with people with all different backgrounds and there's a lot of people that get prescriptions that don't necessarily need it medically. And I mean, we also have to ask, what does it mean to be using it for medical purposes? Because, you know, I realize that as a recreational user, I use it to calm down. Mm -hmm. I like to use it before bed, which Mm -hmm. in some cases can be seen as a medical use. So yeah, we have, you know, geriatric patients that are using it for, you know, pain purposes or arthritis or insomnia. I've even worked with patients in palliative care. Everywhere from, you know, people my age or in their teens saying listen like I just want a better you know when I say teens obviously over, over 18 <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah sorry over 19 <laughs> depending where they're from but um yeah patients that are like listen I just want to be able to get a safe legal access use help me out
0: yeah So and, yeah. and fast forward to, to now or nowish mm-hmm. um thinking about the sector and it, it's come up of course in the past month for sure as new numbers came out about sort of inventory for license producer inventory in Canada and it's They started off, let's say, in 2018 with not enough and now too much, right, and trying to figure out the timing when you need it to reach a market and overlay that onto sort of a a shifting uh, uh, retail environment in Ontario. Like, it's hard to write time your product to market
1: totally and I mean a lot of these licensed producers you know got licenses at the same time right, right. it's also based on Health Canada or the right. regulations kind of catching up and saying okay now everybody here's a license and you know what I'm trying to do is actually resolve all these bottlenecks so for example right now in the industry there's not many retail sales licenses right. I've talked with tons of producers all over the country that have you know um, submitted their application for that amendment but right now they're like can you help find a, find us somebody that can do the packaging? and stick on the excise stamp. And there's not many LPs that can do that, let alone have the capacity to take on all these third parties. So it's really finding out what these bottlenecks are and I'm just trying to resolve them. So I'm really trying to streamline the supply chain as much as possible. And, you know, it can be difficult, but because I don't work exclusively with one licensed producer, I'm able to find uh, two companies that are a good fit for each other based on what their needs are, capacity, strains, location even. So yeah, so that's why I call myself a matchmaker because it takes more than just saying, "Oh, you know, we have a bunch of biomass. We have an extractor. Let's connect them." It's right. you know saying, "Oh, do you have the same vision in mind? Are we working with an organic company? Are we working with a company that wants to cater more to the adult use market or the medical market?" And like a
0: minimum run and all and the timing of that. Exactly. And, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting because I think that in is an important part of the industry maturing, right? It's like okay, we we know there's going to be specific you know, very specific slices people chunk off right we are going to be a producer of this very specific thing yeah there's going to be people that you know package it there's going to be people that are pre-roll manufacturers there's going to be gummy manufacturers Mm and all those things will become much more specified and 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 how that how quickly that happens and when it like why it happens and where it happens all those things are still to be determined but it is certainly happening Absolutely.
1: Now. And, you know, I'm also dealing with a lot of brands and retailers that are not yet involved in right. this space, but saying, how can we get into it without applying for a license? Right. And I think that's a great opportunity right now because we're talking about all these licensed producers that are, you know, have a lot of extra space or a lot of cannabis and don't know what to do with it. And they're saying, hey, listen, we'll we'll set up a rental agreement. We'll bring in this pre-roll automation machine yeah. company and they can do all of our pre-rolls for us. And it'll just be a matter of, you know, giving a royalty. Yeah. Uh, but that's also a partnership that yeah, I set well, up as well. We're
0: going to launch the business of cannabis cannabis pre-rolls. <laughs> Could you Was think of a nerdier one? pre-roll? <laughs> um, but but it, it, it's interesting because uh, exactly what you just said. Uh, so Suprette recently opened in their store in Toronto. At the same time they, opened, they, they announced that they were rolling out a branded vape pen yep. that is their own. But I assume everybody, can, every other retailer can get it too. And you can probably order from the Terra Cannabis Store because whether you want to or not, but, but that's sort of the system that exists now. But I think Hopefully there will be an opportunity for of the world, for Fire and Flowers the world, for other retailers to so, say, you know, we're actually going to have our branded product here. And you as another retailer might want to carry our branded product, too. And it's a way to obviously bring in revenue across the spectrum, but also, you know, enhance the experience in your own store.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I have worked with a few retail companies that are saying, can you help us find craft companies that we can, uh, you know, fill our shelves with? So I'm even helping with that. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a connoisseur, but my experience both as a cannabis user and working with hundreds of different patients, you know, both recreational as well, I can, I do have a good grasp of the market and what people are looking for. So when I'm able to find out a company and what their vision is, I can help kind of curate the products that they're going to be, um, presenting in their store. Yeah, so. and,
0: and we've also seen the trend of um, non-producer, like they're not an LP, but mm-hmm. they are creating a retail, uh, a brand for consumers and sort of making that. And, and it, that I think, I don't want to... We've seen some exciting brands come out of a process like that, whether it's Trek or High Noon. Like they're, they're really developing interesting brands being very brand centric, as opposed to we are now a massive cultivator. They're sticking right. to the end of that supply chain. And it's, I think they're going to be successful because they're not carrying a 100,000-square-foot building.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, what I'm trying to do with even some of these brands, uh, you know, similar to Trek, mm-hmm. is that I'm saying, listen, I have producers or companies that have really produced the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to team up with companies, you know, a lot of these people are from the legacy market. And mm-hmm. I know some of the people, you know, from mm-hmm. the legacy market get a bad rep. But these are the people that are the premium. black… Yeah. These are the black market consumers. These are the ones that want the best, highest quality, consistent product. So I'm ensuring that I'm also teaming up with these companies that you know have that uh, value and knowledge and I want to make sure that all these different brands have really good quality products cuz you know similar in the medical market, patient retention is very difficult and I see right now here in the retail market, you know, just customer retention is difficult. I know a lot of people, they've gone to a store, they said tried some pre-rolls or you know a vape pen. They're like that's okay, but I'm still probably better off going to my black market dealer.
0: Or even if they liked it, going back to get it again, certainly early on, it was, you buy the same thing and it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't feel, look, smoke, anything the same.
1: Exactly, yeah. 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 So.
0: Well, I, I'm glad we connected initially. I'm glad we connected today. Yeah. I hope we can connect down the road because I think it is the role you're playing is an interesting bellwether about where the sector is going. and and it's always good to sort of get that perspective from a variety of perspectives, so thank you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is why I'm also gonna be doing this globally as well. You know, COVID's kind of stalled this, but I'm having the similar conversations with producers and companies all over Europe, so yeah.
0: Well, uh, luckily, or hopefully, the inventory that we see sort of in storage for LPs can find audience, of course, in Canada, but around the world because uh, now that we have this sort of cultivation capacity here, it would be nice to be able to spread the wealth, if you will. Yeah,
1: and listen, I want to help Canada's first mover advantage. I mean, I think Canada's gotten maybe some bad press for the way that we've rolled out, you know, our regulations, but we're the first ones to do it, and that is a huge value, especially with these emerging markets. Canada has a place there, so I want to make sure that we have a really strong presence in these areas and actually pave the way for these other regulatory markets.
0: Well, yeah, let's, let's come back and talk about that too. Yeah,
1: that's awesome.
0: Great, thanks, Michaela.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.